You are listening to the Tour des Flaneurs, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 10, today we're in Valence. Well, we thought he was finished, done, washed up yesterday's man, but today he arrived by train in Valence. But that's enough about Mark Cavendish. <laughs> Where are we, Lionel? Oh, hello, Richard. Hello, Francois. It's good Hi to there. be back yeah. among friends here at the Ferme des Belugues, a few kilometres from Bedouin, which is basically the bottom of Mont Ventoux, isn't it? At a really very pleasant guest house, which listeners to explore will uh, maybe be familiar with because it's where Hannah Troop stayed when she came to ride Mont Ventoux, which was her post-lockdown challenge at the end of last year. Richard, you did a ride in northern France, didn't you? Hannah came and stayed here and then they rode Mont Ventoux. And she, uh, well, she spoke in glowing terms about um, the property here owned by friends of the podcast, Spencer and Karen, and they very kindly invited us to stay here. And, well, there's no coincidence that I've decided to join the tour <laughs> at this point. <laughs> very brought pleasant. You, brought it? a bit yeah. of weather with you, the Lionel, didn't you? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the grey clouds have been following me for the last <laughs> few months, and so I thought I'd bring them down to Valence. Um, the heavens opened, didn't they? It really did. I mean, it was almost... I, at almost exactly the moment you were pulling into the station in Valence, the the thunder cracked, the lightning struck, and the the clouds darkened, and the rain fell very heavily. Just a coincidence, I think. Absolutely, I did arrive in Valence uh, on my TGV at about the same time Mark Cavendish arrived on his De Kerning Quick Step Express, as you say, Rich. Or a limousine, as Daniel described it before the tour started. He said he would have a limousine for a lead-out, and that's what it looked like today. I haven't mentioned that we're still with Francois Thomas, though. Sorry, Francois. Hey, Forgotten man. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, the all right. I'm uh, drinking beer and uh, you know, eating uh, nuts and olives and stuff. Very all nice. Right. It feels like I've been away a long time, Rich. I mean, you're going to have to fill me in a bit. How's Bernardino getting on? <laughs> Is he doing all right in the, in the old tour? He's, he's no, doing okay. Yeah. Isn't he? I think Rene Vieto's just retired. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Kate, who's been joining us, she can tell you all about um, the cycling years back to 2011. So uh, you can you can sit with her and be briefed on on that. Thanks again to Kate for joining us for the first week. It was great to have her company. And we, we bid her farewell last night, but she will actually be joining us again on Saturday. Um, we realised today that we could... Uh, we could uh, join up again for Saturday. Well, so and hopefully again in the future. I mean, I yeah. think we've, uh, we've uncovered, a, or you've uncovered, Richard, a, a member of the cycling podcast team going forward, whether it's in uh, regular episodes or, I mean, I can see the potential for Friends of the Podcast specials and Kilometer Zeros and all 100%. sorts. 100%. I mean, I'm, my biggest worry really is how I'm going to fit back in. I mean, you know, is there room for me on... Well, there's the, a lot of competition for places on, these days. What, you know, um, what, what's my role on the musical cheese cast? I mean... Well, we'll, well, find, we'll find... Yeah, well, well, don't, that don't, is a big question. Don't, yeah. don't worry, you know, I, I'm the old man uh, here and I'm, I'll be the first to retire and leave space for I know you, you've you been, younger guys. I know you've been inspired <laughs> by the singing, though, Lionel, and you have promised us a song tonight... <laughs> I, I mean, there's, there couldn't be anything further from the truth. I have not promised you a song. But if you want a blast of football coming home sing, tomorrow... You said you'd sing football's <laughs> coming home, yeah. But Maybe if the result... The football match dare not speak its name, although perhaps we'll hear um, from a rider a bit later on with a message about the game tomorrow. It gives me great pleasure, though, Lionel, to, well, A, welcome you back, and B, say 
Can you give us a tale of the attack, please? Oh, thank you, Richard. It's well, so I mean, liberating today not to have to watch the stage. <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, I, I mean, I feel quite intimidated here. Um, how can I compete with Kate's tales of the attack? Um, they were reminiscent of James Joyce, weren't they? With the sort of did he the, do the tale of the attack? The poetic, um, the poetic imagery turned up to eleven. Um, I mean, this will be a bit more like a Mr. Men book, I think. Um, that's sort of my literary <laughs> level, really. Um, but yeah, stage 10 of the Tour de France resuming after the rest day. Albeville to Valence, 190.7 kilometres. A nailed-on sprint finish all day long, especially when only two riders got into the break. They were Tosh van der Sander of Lotto Sudal. And the other one was Hugo Uhl, the Canadian rider with Astana, or Mr. Optimistic and Mr. Futile, as I came to think of them. <laughs> uh, my Mr. Men themed tale of the Oh, you're really going with this. Yeah, I am, <laughs> yeah. They were, they were brought back uh, with around uh, 36, 38 kilometres to go. Van der Sander sat up first, then Uhl was caught a couple of kilometres later, and then it was all down to the sprint finish. Not before there was a little bit of uh, difficulty with the crosswinds. We saw a sighting of Mr. Panic and Mr. Flustered as the, <laughs> the crosswinds threatened to cause a bit of damage. Um, the yellow jersey, Tade Pogacar, was out of position very briefly, but really no damage done. And then it came down to that sprint finish and a real masterclass by De Koenig Quickstep. I mean, we've seen it so many times over the years with so many different sprinters on the back of that train. But today we had Mr. Selfless. Mr. Lead-out man. <laughs> Mr. Selfless, Julian Alaphilippe, the world champion, doing a tremendous turn for the team. Mr. Organised, Mikhail Merku or Michael Morkoff. Uh, who also got sixth on the stage, I think, as well. And then Mr. Fast, Mark Cavendish, finished it off. And in his press conference afterwards, he was Mr. Modest because he said, to be fair, he didn't have a great deal to do. He just had to come round his teammates and win his 33rd stage in Tour de France history. Now only one behind Eddie Merck. I know, I know. Mr. Mr. Cannibal. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> well, I, I did... Here's closing in on, on, on the record that dare not speak its name. Indeed. And I did put it to you guys tonight that if he does break it, we, as journalists, should refuse to... <laughs> talk about it as well we just refuse to acknowledge it any questions for mr cavendish no no none no thank you uh, i mean it was an absolutely um, textbook sprint wasn't it i mean no real opposition um to speak of i mean Wout van Aert was second jasper Philipson third but de Koning quickstep had it all under pressure i was looking out for some tactical bloopers because i was i was wondering whether mr premature acceleration might be spotted <laughs> in the finish after your jaw-dropping metaphor early in the tour, <laughs> Francois, I had to get that one in. Uh, but no, De Koenig Quickstep had everything under control and Patrick Lefebvre, Mr. Unreconstructed, will no doubt be delighted <laughs> this evening. But on a serious point, that is Mark Cavendish's 33rd Tour de France stage win. The comeback tour continues. He won in Fougere, where he'd won before. He won in Chateauroux, where he'd won twice before. Now he's won in Valence. He won just up the road from there in Bourg-les-Valence in 2010. It's a suburb, really, of Valence, isn't it? And that was the day that Mark Renshaw was disqualified for headbutting in the sprint finish. A real dramatic day on the tour. I can't remember what win in Cavendish's list that was, but it probably would have been around 15, 18, maybe something like that. Uh, something like that. Anyway, um, he's on 33. The tour goes to Nîmes the day after tomorrow, where Cavendish has won before in 2008. And uh, like I say, the tour's capacity to throw up, you know, combine history and geography and these stories. Um, I mean, I got he won very flack. close to here in 2009, the, the the day before the Von Tuch stage. That's right. 
there is the little matter of the Von 2 to go over. Not once. It's not Mon Von 1 tomorrow. It's Mon Von 2. They're going over it. Mm. Oh, God, he's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a very what, long... What a return. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you had months to think of these lines. <laughs> I've had a very long day on the train, Richard. I had to spend uh, my train journey sat next to a dog, which you would have hated, oh, wouldn't yeah. you? But, I uh, mean, I don't, I don't hate dogs. Let's be clear. I don't hate dogs you, at all. You just don't like them in restaurants. Or trains. <laughs> no. Anyway, Mark Cavendish, I mean, what can you say? Um, I got a little bit of flack earlier in the year when he won his handful of stages in the Tour of Turkey. A few listeners thought I was um, pouring cold water on the achievement. But I think, as I said then, context is everything, isn't it? And if you are a Hollywood film studio looking to make the ultimate sports comeback story, if the scriptwriter came in and said, and then he wins four stages of the Tour of Turkey, he'd be sent out to do a rewrite. But, I mean, this is now shaping up to be um, the ultimate Hollywood uh, denouement, isn't it, to Mark Cavendish's career? Or is it? I mean, it's going to potentially go on. The Cycling Podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insight, and personalized analytics. We are here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. My name is Martijn Redegeld. I'm the nutritionist, the performance nutritionist of uh, Team Jumbo Visma. I think that's the biggest learning, that, that every individual responds really differently, and also that the the same individual can can respond really different in, in yeah different situations, for example, or in response to different foods. For example, if we were assuming that eating pasta or eating rice was more or less the same, now it turns out that for some riders that is the case, but for other riders, it, yeah, their response in the body is really different. So I think that's the biggest learning. Yeah, you could use it to, on the one hand, uh, lose a bit of weight on certain days, but also to double check that you are uh, yeah, well fueled for the, the key sessions during the week or for the, the races. So I think it's yeah, it's again an extra check which is really provided in, in hard data. For sure, I also have seen cases where where the riders uh, maybe underfueled, and then it's yeah, you can clearly see that in the data. For many riders, and maybe especially at a bit lower level. Um, it can really help them to see when they when their glucose level is starts to to decline, and I think that happens already before the moment that you realize it yourself. And if you see that happening, yeah, you can avoid it by eating or drinking a bit earlier and and avoid the yeah, the, the glucose drop. Thanks very much indeed to Super Sapiens, our title sponsor. Um, we heard from uh, Visma there. They're one of the teams using Super Sapiens in Ask Grenadiers as well. Officially, other teams are using it in training as well. Only in training, of course. Um, but uh, we're very grateful to them for their support. And if you'd like to enter the competition to win three months' worth of Super Sapiens sensors, go to thecyclingpodcast.com and you'll find out how to send in your clip of audio, 60 seconds or less, telling us how and why you would like to use Super Sapiens the crickets are really cricketing, or whatever crickets do. It's very noisy, isn't it? So well, it's tropical. They are well, well, we're back in Provence. I mean, that's mm. uh, I, I could, you know, this is kind of sound I, I I just got don't hear anymore. It's part of my life, like a background earworm or something. <laughs> 
Lionel, pleasant, you, though, isn't it? you were yeah. calling Patrick Lefebvre from Mr. Unreconstructed. I, I, I think he's playing Mr. Happy tonight. Um, also, in the morning, we learned that Sudal are jumping ship and becoming title sponsor of his team the year after next. So they're leaving one Belgian team and um, joining another, which was quite, quite, quite a bit, quite a, sh- a, a surprising bit of news this morning. Talking of Patrick Lefebvre, I, I, I read an interview. I, I don't know on which newspaper. I think it's Belgian newspaper where where he says that. Uh, that, that actually, because of the wins, which we would have thought otherwise, uh, actually, uh, Mark Cavendish was contemplating retiring on the end of the season and not going on. When, you know, had, had he not won a stage, he would have probably renewed this contract. And it was it, the, the story was going then. They had the talk with with uh, Cavendish, who said that well, maybe it was the, the you know it was the time to 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 stop you know on on the, on a high note. Um, I, I look up exactly what the the, the the story was. I was a little bit astonished to read that, but who knows? You know, I, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think the reason Cavendish has carried on is because he he loves it, and he was asked tonight by David Walsh whether there have been moments where he's doubted himself and questioned the commitment he was making. And he said, really, the only big moment of doubt he's had recently was on stage one of the Tour de France. The first 20 kilometers, he said, he wondered what the, the hell bad word it. he was doing here. He thought, what what have you done? What have you done? Um, he just felt it was so fast. And I think he felt out of his depth. Um, but watching him tonight win that stage, I mean, the other two stages have kind of been the same, but there was a there was such a confidence today about his team and him, and such a lack of doubt about the the outcome. It really was like going back in time to the HCC High Road days. It really yeah. was like that. The lead out was, you know, it's not just that there's no competition; it's that the others there's nothing they can do. I mean, when you've got Ala Philippe, you look at the the guys. I mean, Daniel's description is right. You look at the guys leading him out. Ala Philippe. Putting in a hell of an effort. Um, Casper Askreen, the, the Tour of Fans winner, did Davide an amazing Baller, job. Davide Ballerini, Ballerini. Who, who, who could win, <laughs> Ballerini. Could win Tour de France stages on the, you know, uh, the last himself. couple of times. Ballerini has been immense, and then of course Michael Morkov in the end. I mean, it is a limousine, but Cavendish was probably too modest, modest in saying he only he only did his job with 150 meters to go, but. I mean, this team are riding like that because they have such confidence in him. They wouldn't be making that commitment if they didn't have the confidence in him. And when you see him go with that kind of low-slung, almost face over the handlebars, it is like turning the clock back. It mm. looks like the Cavendish of old. Well, I, I haven't seen s- such a textbook, you know, sprint train for many, many years. It, it, it even looked sometimes better than than Mark Cavendish former trains. There's, there is something, always something out of the, the way, a little swerve or something uh, in sprints and it, it was just a straight line like Cipollini, uh, you know uh, the, 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 the cycle, you know uh, the days, I mean it was well, just sim- simply amazing. It was um, yeah, re- really textbook. Uh, and the, the the thing that struck me as well, uh, the, the three w- successive wins we've seen with, uh, with Cavendish is it was is the difference in the press conferences. First press conference, c- kind of a diffident, a, a little bit, you know, uh, tackling the press like they were not not enemies, but you know, uh, long, long, you know, old friends uh, <laughs> that had been missing for a while, you know, in times of trouble. Uh, and then a little bit, a little bit 
and kinder and, and, and gentler the second time around. And 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 tonight just simply nice, you know, like 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 you, you you could tell there was something boiling, you know, inside of him, and uh, that is now that is, there's now a lot of relief. And uh, often, you know, you compare sprinters to strikers in football. Uh, the guy who doesn't who hasn't scored a goal for a long time, is uh, kind of you know uh, loses his his way, his confidence, everything. And and when he's on the on 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 the roll, then everything keeps rolling. And that's the impression you had tonight with uh, with 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 Cavendish. He was really brilliant stuff. The rain is falling. I brought the rain here as well. Oh my God, Lionel! The the grey cloud just follows me around, but you know I'm trying to shake it off. Maybe, maybe my carcass on will be in bright blue skies. Which Mister Man are you? um, I mean, it it varies. It varies. I'd have to look at the. I should credit Roger Hargreaves, the the genius who created the Mister Men, and and apologise to his estate for um, (laughs) the tale of the attack. But. Francois, you're absolutely right, and I think the the, the commitment of the team to Cavendish today um, says it all, doesn't it? The world champion leading out, um, the, the whole team mob-handed at the front, they totally believe in him, they totally, you know, whether Cavendish wants to talk about it or not, the team's commitment to trying to get him to 34 and perhaps 35 wins in this tour, to overtake Eddie Merckx's record of tour stage wins is, is not in doubt, is it? And as we heard from Tim de Klerk in the um, audio diary, you know, that that togetherness, that respect, that um, support for Cavendish extends to the difficult days where he has to ride in in the Gruppetto and and not flirt too closely with the um, the time limit. And it could be that tomorrow they have to do that again. Two ascents of Mont Ventoux will test Mark Cavendish. And I think one of the, if there is a doubt about Cavendish, it's not about his speed at the finish. It's not really about his endurance necessarily, but it's just a uh, you know, he hasn't raced um, this long and this hard for a number of years yet. And Rich, I think you spoke to a sports director who raised that point this morning. That's a perfect time to hear from Matt White, who I spoke to this morning. Um, and it was interesting because in the in the stage bike exchange, he's the sports director team bike exchange, of course, their rider Michael Matthews is, I think, second still in the green jersey competition. He certainly was at the start this morning and he still is. Um, they really tried to make the race pretty hard from the start today to try and um, produce some splits and, and allow Matthews to claim points in the intermediate sprint. He did claim some points, so he didn't didn't win it. Um, and Cam just kind of questioned that tactic at the end, or rather said that that's not their strategy because he, if he wins a green jersey, it's because he's going for stage wins. He's not going to chase intermediate sprints. And he, he did sort of say that Matthews only had one rider in support at the finish um, and so they'd maybe sacrifice the, his effort at the finish for the effort to win intermediate points he, he, he was just it was an observation rather than a criticism to be honest but um, you know the, the other teams have got to take a slightly different approach Michael Matthews isn't isn't competing with Cavendish in the bunch sprint so they've got to take a, a different approach and yeah Matt White's had some interesting things to say about that and about Cavendish's prospects of finishing the tour this morning Savage opening nine days, Matt. Um, you sort of, uh, I think everyone licked their wounds yesterday a bit and look, looked ahead. What are you, what are you hoping for from uh, from this week? Uh, a few breaks, actually. So, I think with Michael sitting in the situation that he's in the green jersey, he's not going to be able to move. So we'll probably look for, to put other guys into the breaks on the flat days. And then when we get to the mountains, starting tomorrow, is uh, yeah, we've got three climbers here, and especially Simon. 
who uh, will be looking to infiltrate the, those moves that go to the line. Is uh, Michael's bid for the green jersey still a, a major focus for you? Well, it's a focus. I, I think realistically for us to win the green jersey, I think Mark Cavendish is going to have to implode um, because he's going to be very competitive in the sprints this week. But uh, also Mark hasn't, yeah, Mark hasn't prepared for the Tour de France. He's got his mojo back sprinting. He's sprinting very, very well. But he has, I don't know if he's done a world tour race this year. Uh, and it's been a couple of years since he's done a grand tour. And I think that's going to hurt him in the back end of the race. And uh, I, I, Lord, incredible amount of respect for Mark. He's been you know, the best sprinter ever. But yeah, he's, he's one of our rivals for the green jersey. And we know head to head, we can't really beat him on the flat sprints. But uh, Michael's versatility and getting through the Tour de France and picking up intermediate sprints is going to give us a chance. But uh, if Mark can uh, keep it together through the Pyrenees, then uh, obviously he's going to be pretty unbeatable. I think Matt White makes a good point there. I mean, Mark Cavendish hasn't raced uh, this number of consecutive days. I know there's been a rest day. Um, but this is his longest stage race since the 2018 Tour de France where he finished outside the time limit at La Rosière when we watched him come in on the day that Geraint Thomas won that stage and then Mark Cavendish basically held up the entire Tour de France at the top of that mountain and I remember that felt like the end of Mark Cavendish as a top class Tour de France rider um, because you know he was he was clearly not able on that day to get in anywhere close to the time limit um, he wasn't sprinting at his best it had been a couple of years since his last win we're now three years further on from that. And I think the, the thing that really brought home his longevity to me today was to see that Andre Greipel, who won in Valence in uh, 2015, six years ago, was seventh today. And Peter Sagan, the last winner in Valence, was eighth. You know, not really in the mix even in that sprint finish. You know, not, not threatening De Kerning Quickstep, not threatening Cavendish. And yet there's Mark Cavendish at 35 um, winning his 33rd stage of the Tour de France. I mean, it is, it is an absolutely staggering sports story, not just a cycling story, a, a sports story. Yeah, but then, well, you, you have to have a little bit of doubt um, here. Um, and, he, I mean, Mark Cavendish, since the start of his Tour de France, especially today, made it look a little bit like the Tour of Turkey, to <laughs> to, to be honest. But let, let's not forget something. Uh, uh, the, 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 the train, the, the, the way the train went like a TGV and, and arrived just right on time in the Valence uh, station m might... You know, have a, a obscure the, a, a fact that struck us when the, on on the finish line is that the Wood Wood van Aert was very very close to uh, you know uh, rid uh, Mark Cavendish of that victory. He came really really close. And l let's bear in mind that Wout, Wout van Aert at the start of the Tour de France had different goals than Gofer Sprints. Now uh, the 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 the, the Jumbo Visma team you know have, have changed their plans and 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 van Aert's uh, role. Uh, until Paris will now be to, to, to go for the sprints and try to win them. And it was really the first uh, burn sprint he really tried hard to win today on the Tour. He came very, very close. He'll, he'll go over the mountains more, more, you know, probably more easily than Mark Cavendish will. And, and the, 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 maybe the big question mark for, uh, to, to see whether Mark Cavendish will win more and, and you know, go level with Merckx is, is whether Wad van Aert Proves again, you know, in his in his uh, sprinting, he came close today. He might might come even closer in in, ne in next bunch sprints. I I'm think afraid. we heard from Van Aert in last night's episode, of course, and and he said he made the point about Cavendish too that he's suffering more than he is in the mountain stages, and Van Aert feels he's getting better, and he will get closer. I thought 
it was impressive today that Cavendish, when he launched the sprint, went in a straight line with with riders coming up on either side. Uh, Van Aert, in particular, coming up on the inside, he could have legitimately, I think, made it a little bit harder for him, and he and he didn't. Um, it was fairly convincing in the end. Um, but Van because Aert, of the team, though, I mean, yeah, you know, that, because of the team, and, yeah. and maybe that's why De Koning Quickstep are mob handed. I mean, that's the that's the biggest team support we've seen, as you said, Francois, really from anyone for for a little while. Uh, one question that's been burning in my mind, really increasingly so, is would would the twenty twenty one Cavendish beat the 2008, 2011, 2012 Cavendish? No. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. No. I can say the lead-out train is, is you know, if you look at the, the riders in it, Askreen, Alaphilippe, that, that's a higher calibre of, mm. of riders than he's ever had riding in support of him. But it's a fascinating question. I, don't, I, I mean, the pure speed that he had back then, I think the, there's, a bit, there's a bit more power and strength in his sprint. But, now. I mean, he used to win... By bike length, didn't he? Mm. You know, he, some days he was, you know, there was daylight between him and him and the rest. Having said that, you know, Wout van Aert, yes, maybe coming strong. Michael Matthews is a threat, maybe not in the in the, the fastest of finishes, but th- certainly a threat for the green jersey. But I do think stage 12, the day after Mont Ventoux, it's only 159 kilometres. I don't want to sort of reduce it down to short stage, therefore easy, because that's not the case. But... There's, um, you know, another opportunity to do to again what they did today in Nîmes, and then who knows, Carcassonne. That's that's probably the one that would tell us the most because that's a long stage, isn't it? The one from Nîmes to Carcassonne is 200 plus kilometres, 219.9 kilometres. Um, and, 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 sprint, and, and sprinters has never won in Carcassonne. It's it's a, it's an odd one. It's a breakaway day, yeah. isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's right. Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Thank you very much to Science in Sport for their support of the Cycling Podcast. If you would like 25% off all your Science in Sport products, go to scienceinsport.com and enter the code Lionel. SISCP25. Well, I mean, you're not going to catch me out with that. Brilliant. Just <laughs> I'm, testing I'm you. I'm no Daniel Freeb. <laughs> testing you, testing in, in you. Any, in any shape or form. And if you'd like to <laughs> enter our competition with Science in Sport to win £80 worth of Science in Sport goodies, Go to thecyclingpodcast.com and uh, you'll see how to predict the winner of Sunday's stage. Uh, Sunday's stage goes to Andorra. It does. A big stage. Um, we're going to have a preview of that stage actually from Joe Laverick, one of our young diarists. He's going to record a. He's going to go and recce it and record a, a preview for it. So we'll hear that in an episode later in the week. Um, but yeah, go to thecyclingpodcast.com to enter the competition. Um, Lionel, I do need to ask you. You are the only one among us who has tried to sample the tiramisu oh. energy bakes. Mm. Do give us a report. Science and Sport have, I imagine they're breaking Italy with, with this. I mean, product. I think that I think they're excellent. I mean, they taste like tiramisu. Um, What's not to like? You don't get the you don't get the kind of the, the creaminess of the the um, the cheese, but um, you, it's you, unmistakable kind of light creamy coffee flavour in a. In a little bar, which is you know soft in the middle, really easy to eat on the bike. Um, I love the energy bakes. Yeah, I wolf them down when I'm on my bike. They are, um, they're, yeah, they're really really tasty and um, yeah, they feel like real food. Like I know you know energy food is uh, um, you know designed for a purpose, isn't it? But this feels like a snack that you could stop and eat, and and often I do 
um, eat them when I've stopped rather than actually on the go. Scoff them in your office. <laughs> uh, listen, Have you got CCTV on there? <laughs> Am I like the British government? I'm being surveilled. Just yeah. covered in, your office is just covered in empty wrappers of science and sport tiramisu energy bakes. Uh, listen, chaps, um, we uh, are looking ahead to Montvon 2 tomorrow. We'll talk a bit about that stage. Um Francois, have you got any any French culture for us tonight? I mean, we're in a part of the world that you obviously know very well because we we're as close as we will be on this tour to your home city of Marseille. Yeah, we're we're very much north from a Marseille point of view, but uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not too far. Uh, the word of the day I keep for the you know I keep for you know the the last bit of my little cultural. Uh, Detour, yeah, detour. Because because the, the word of the day would be Ventoux, and Ventoux we're going to talk about a bit. Cheese of the day. There were actually two cheeses of the day because we started from the Alps uh, in Albertville, and we were still in the Beaufort region. You know, Beaufort is, is known as the Prince of Gruyere, like David Gaudis, the little Prince of Brittany, and <laughs> we've seen lot, lots of princes in the history of, of cycling. But but Beaufort, yeah. If if you've been to the Alps, if you've been to the town, to Val d'Isère, Fusquin, Antigny, and all these places, and Bourg-Saint-Maurice, uh, you, you've eaten before. Uh, it's, a, well, it's a cow cheese, you know, with a very fruity taste and extreme finish. It's made of milk cows from the, uh, well, very often from the Abondance um, uh, Valley, uh, and actually more than 10 kilos of milk are needed to obtain one kilo of Beaufort. That's why, you know, the, the, this cheese is so creamy. Um, and another, uh, well, Monks, you know, have, have been doing this kind of cheeses for 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 many years, but Beaufort is usually uh, thought to have been uh, made, started to be made the way it is made now um, at the end of the 17th century. And another little uh, feature uh, of, uh, that that's common to all Beaufort is you got you got wooden rings around it, you know, so you recognize a Beaufort when it's in, in its entirety, when it's got these little these wooden rings around it. We actually took competitors from the, the region who, who had the idea, you know, for, for the cheese to, to hold better to uh, to design these wooden rings. Uh, so it, well, it's been protected. You know, in France, we have all the things, AOC, IGP, you know, every little terroir, as we say, every little region tries to defend, you know, its, its own locals. Of, of course, Beaufort is a AOC, as we think, Appellation d'Origine Contrôlée. And uh, um, along the way, when uh, along the stage, we, uh, we we pass nearly, very near to Saint-Marcelin. And same, you know, if, you, if you're used to going to France, you know Saint-Marcelin. Uh, Saint-Marcelin is a cow cheese. It's a uh, little round thing. And the, the way the, 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 the locals and the French usually use to, well, like, like uh, Saint-Marcelin, when it melts and kind, kind, kind of, you know, like, like blobs... <laughs> Around the plate, so you know that's kind of cheese. I, I Lionel can see, nodding I can see the Lionel is already, you know. <laughs> so yeah, well, it's uh, it's also protected, and uh, you know, it's it's actually made in in two two hundred and seventy four communes in the Isère, Drôme, and Savoie, the, the departments we went through, and well, it's it's very common. When it's really well done, and it's in your plate, it's kind of it's got that kind of orange color of you know, um, and and it's. It's one of the tastiest and and most interesting uh, interesting cow cheeses. So there was for the, the, there were the two main cheeses of the of the day stage. Uh, curious little facts. Uh, um, 
Did, did you know that Valence is considered the French capital of Armenia? There, were, there was a there was huge uh, uh, immigration uh, from Armenia to France uh in 19 well after 1917 when you know they were uh well there was a genocide by the turks and uh, they had to you know to flee that the turkey and armenia uh in in you know huge numbers and a lot of them well most lots went to america and and but lots of them came to france the most famous of them you know is probably charles aznavour whose real name was charles, charles aznavourian And uh, and and lots of them settled in Valence, and which now houses an Armenian heritage center. And uh, there's a, there's a, 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 yeah a huge com uh, Armenian community in uh, in Valence, and it's it's well known for that. Uh, I I I when well, we couldn't go through the uh, uh, area we went through today without mentioning the most famous. Uh, writer of, of the region who is Charlie Motet. Uh, you, well, I've said it many times, but he's a very good friend of mine and, and one of the uh, writers I respect probably the most, uh, uh, you know, of, of that era. I think with Greg LeMond, he was uh, one of the guys you, 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 you can, well, I would bet my life, you know, uh, on that this guy never touched anything dodgy in his career. Um, well, of course, he won three tour stages and finished fourth in 1987 and 1991. Um, well, he, you know, he won the Dauphiné many times and uh, he was, uh, uh, well, he was an organizer for the, the Dauphiné and for the, the races in uh, Quebec and Montreal. Um, he, he retired from cycling A, a little bit and the cycling world um, uh, because of you know personal family drama uh, well almost two years ago and uh, well uh, happily he's back on the on the tour uh, driving cars for, for for a sponsor there and it's great to see Charlie back in the you know in the cycling world now to word of the day Ventoux Ventoux why have I picked Ventoux as the word of the day because most In most books about Ventoux, there are lots of things to say about Ventoux, but in most books about Ventoux, you, you, you see and you find, and, and most people believe that it's called Ventoux because of the wind. In French, well, like Vents, you know, in, in English we have that as well, but, you know, Vent means wind, and, and as we know, and as Chris Room knows, and as many other guys do know, uh, it's always very windy, it's often very windy at the top of the Ventoux. But oddly enough, the, the, uh, apparently the origins of the word Ventoux is nothing to do with wind. Uh, if you know a little bit of Welsh, uh, Breton, uh, there's a word called Gwent, uh, Gwyn, that, that means white. And, and actually Ventoux means the, the, the little white because at the, the top of it, you know, you, you always had this, this little bit of snow at the top of the, of the, of the summit, which was probably very unusual for the, for the you know tribes in in the area so actually it, it's it's kind of a small mont blanc uh, originally ventoux uh, and nothing to do with uh, uh, with wind in the first place so you know i thought it was interesting to go back to the uh, roots of the word and and uh, and and there we are uh, a few little little things about the ventoux before we we start discussing the the, the race and what we're going to expect tomorrow Um, did, did you know? <coughs> do you know who was Paul de Vivi? No. It, it was a guy. Uh, he, he, he had an. He was also known as Velocio. You know, in the in the in the early days of, uh, you know, the pioneers of cycling, and he's, he's actually the first guy to have uh, ridden up the Ventoux on a bike. Ah. Mm, in 1901, and uh, and you do you know who was Mart S. 
Marthe Hess was, was the first woman to ride up the Ventoux in 1903, so the, the year when the tour was invented, all, you know, also with, you know, with this, this guy Velocio, they went up together. And do you know who Jacques Gabriel was? You're testing. Well, I mean, zero out of three. Of course, yeah. Uh, well, Jacques, well, not, not many people know that. That's why I'm. I'm uh, so actually, Jacques Gabriel uh, won the first cycling race held on the Ventoux in 1908. One of the organizers of the, of the race was Henri Desgranges. You know, the tour. Uh, the, well, the, the tour founder. Um, but but actually, it, 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 there was another edition of the race in 1909 and 1910. But he, he, you know, for, for some reason at the time, they they didn't see the Ventoux as 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 a place to you know as a great place to go riding a bike. And one of the reasons might have been that the, if you look at the pictures at the time, uh, there's no there's no chalet renard, there's no trees. It was a barren mountain rock from. You know, almost the f from the bottom of the climb, because you know, in the area you had lots of lumberjacks, and you know, the wood industry was, was uh, you know, ma made some of the people in the area live. So, so it, you know, only a hundred and yeah, a hundred years ago, the Ventoux was even more barren and even more like the Mont Chauve, you know, the bald uh, mountain that than than it, it, it is now. And this guy Jacques Gabriel, who won. Uh, the, the first ever cycling race up there was just a lumberjack from Flasson. It's a little village where Eric Caritou lives. Eric Caritou is the 1984 Tour de France uh, Vuelta uh, winner and is now a winemaker in, in that area. And Jack Gabriel just said, you know, well, I, I train a lot on my bike because I go to work on, on my bike. So this guy went up the Ventoux and won the stage. And re remember that they no derailleur, no nothing, no gears and... Um, it did it so well, you know. Chapeau. <laughs> a mountain you know well, Lionel. Mm. Um, it's not as you, well, definitely as you said, Francois, the windy mountain. Because when we were last here in 2016, the tour never made it to the top. It finished at Chalet Renard, and oh, the the weather's changing as I speak. As the rain's starting to fall again, um, that stage led well. That, during that stage, we had the famous incident of Chris Froome running up that hill and that is the title of our kilometer zero tomorrow which relives that day and um, we've spoken to thomas de Ghent, serge powells richie port we hear from chris Froome as well and seb Piquet, who was in the the car following the the race and had a really good view of what happened and his testimony from that day is absolutely fascinating so that's our kilometer zero tomorrow excellent um, a day i remember well richard I might talk about that tomorrow why I remember oh yeah that day so let's well. relive that tomorrow yeah. shall we uh, but just uh, another von two related episode that we've got in the archive friends of the podcast can listen to my episode you say i know it well yeah visited it on holiday as a child i remember collecting a little piece of stone from close to the tom simpson memorial uh having come over on a family holiday um, but in 2016, I came down here with Simon Gill and we made an episode for Friends of the Podcast, which we called Heat, Wind and Fear. And uh, it's my kind of diary of a day riding Mont Ventoux and a bit of the history. If you want to hear a lot of heavy breathing from Lionel, um, that's available for Friends of the Podcast. Are we wrapping up? Because I've just got to mention the Pisaladier, which we've got in front of us here. Um, 
local specialty, really, isn't it? Provençal. It's, it's more. It's more Nice than, than Provence. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pisadia oh. is more Nice than than than, than this area, but well, yeah, I not too far away. Should have mentioned it at the Grand Depart last year. Then yeah. we didn't have any. It's then. Too late. But I've had it in Provence before, and it's a it's a flat bread, a little bit like a pizza. Although I don't think they like uh, the comparison because the bread is not the same at all. It's not. Uh, it doesn't rise in quite the same way. Um, it's very nice, but but quite different. And then it's topped with sort of sweetly caramelized onions, uh, black olives and uh, anchovies. So it's sort of salty and sweet. Well, mostly salty, but with a little sweetness just to take the edge off. Delicious. GC or breakaway day tomorrow? Breakaway day. Breakaway day. Yeah. We we came through Victor Carpentras. Do you think he'll <laughs> he'll have a go? Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Victor. Um, we heard from him in the audio diary released today uh, as part of the Comments Zero series. Um, he's 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 sent a series of messages explaining just how cooked he was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's he's, he's maybe as not cooked as a piece of year, I guess. <laughs> he, he, did, he was very vivid <laughs> in his description of how cooked he is. He was on the rest day, so hopefully he recovers and he can get in that breakaway. Um, but that's all. I mean, great to have you back, Lionel. Welcome back. Let's go and have dinner, shall we? Thank mm. you very much, Richard. I know that'll well, be the I'm, highlight I'm of your day. I'm afraid to sing a, a, a bit of a song because it's been... Oh, you know, a song, <laughs> yeah. You keep th- uh, Lionel, do your vocal exercises. <laughs> oh, dear. It's as if you don't know me at all. Oh, just before we hear that, just a quick message from a, a, a Danish a cyclist uh, who's highly placed overall, <laughs> Jonas Vingegaard, um, sent in a, a little message about the... There's a, a football match tomorrow night. Really? Let's hear from Jonas. I wish Denmark uh, good luck tomorrow in the game against England. And I think they are going to win 2-1 against England. It's going to be an exciting match. And uh, of course, I'm going to cheer for, for Denmark. Jonas, I'm with you all the way. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's hope that the result goes with um, all the many Danes in the race. Uh, <laughs> oh dear it's not going to be a pleasant evening for Lionel and me I don't think but anyway sorry sorry Francois no, no problem at all um, I, 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 I saw a couple of messages uh, trying to uh, uh, link me with Sacha Distel you know fam- famous French crooner and uh, Sacha Distel sang a very famous rain song I'm, I mean we, we're, we're going to have lots of rain songs in, in this Tour de France unfortunately uh, that there's, it's been raining so much that I might I might, you know, run run out of rain songs, but it's always Travis Francois. <laughs> but anyway, this this one I'm going to to sing the the the, the English version of of the, which is more more familiar to you than the one the, the Sacha Distel uh, version. You, you you can you can listen to this uh, Sacha Distel French cover on on the social media on YouTube or wherever you want. But it's more difficult to sing in French than in English actually, and it's a very famous song by Bert Bacharach and Hal David, and it's called Raindrops keep falling on my head raindrops are falling on my head and just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed nothing seems to fit those raindrops are falling on my head they keep falling so i just did miss some talking to the sun and I said I didn't like the way he got things done. Sleeping on the job, those raindrops are falling on my head. They keep falling. 
Bird, there's one thing I know The blues they send to meet me won't defeat me It won't be long till happiness steps up to greet me Raindrops keep falling on my head But that doesn't mean my eyes will soon be turning red Crying's not for me, cause I'm never gonna stop the rain by complaining Because I'm free <laughs> Nothing's worrying me Thank you Francois Thank you Lionel Thank you Rich